Hey, Legit Podcast Pro, can your podcast be profitable? Maximizing your podcast monetization structure. Hello and welcome to Legit Podcast Pro. I'm Gordon Firemark, the podcast lawyer, and we are continuing to explore what that title, Legit Podcast Pro, means. This time, we're taking a good look at the monetization of things. So for the past few episodes, I've been diving into this title and what it's meant to convey because I've been working with podcasters, well, really since the earliest days of podcasting. And I can tell you without reservation at all that the podcasts that do the best are the ones that are run professionally. Take a look at any of the top 100 podcasts. Define top however you like, and you will find that the vast majority of them are made by companies, not by individuals. And even if it is an individual, they've created a company. They take it seriously like a business. They're not putting it all on the line without that business structure in place. And you'll see that there's usually a team of people involved. It's not just one person wearing all the hats. And you'll see most are taking care to protect their intellectual property, to respect the intellectual property that belongs to other people, not casually infringing on things. And if they're using other people's stuff, well, they've either gotten permission or they've got a clearly reasoned analysis and explanation of why they don't need to. And you will see that the ones that are making a profit, well, you can bet that they've got the processes, the systems, good contracts and controls in place to make sure that they're doing things right and that they're actually getting paid for the work they do. Because podcasting is a business. Even if you think of yourself as a hobbyist, it is a business. And business success depends on professional approaches to your quality of sound. I know you've got pro-quality sound working on it, and I know you're working on pro-quality video if you're doing video. I know your quality of your content is professional, and you want to bring a professional level of things behind the scenes too. So you have systems to book your guests and to choose topics and those kinds of things. So I ask, shouldn't you also have systems in place to make sure you're safe? Safe from things like lawsuits and liabilities or ownership disputes or employment or labor issues, threats to your intellectual property and other people's intellectual property, and threats to how you actually make money in your podcast business. Now, I've already laid out part uh, the first three parts of my essential four-quadrant framework for setting up your podcast the way the pros do. First is to establish a solid, legit business structure. The second is to have a legit team structure. And third – Knowing and understanding your intellectual property and having a clear, concise, uh, legit strategy for the intellectual property. So in this episode, we are looking at the fourth and final quadrant in the framework, your legit client and customer or monetization strategy. Because when you've got your things structured and set up right and you've got confidence that everything is handled, well, that's when you can take big, bold, decisive actions that will propel your podcast and business for the utmost success. So. Let's just dive right in. <clears throat> One of the biggest mistakes that I see podcasters make is something that you would think is pretty obvious. It's not having a cohesive client and customer strategy. Now, of course, this means having a strategy for attracting them. Getting people to sign up and pay you is hugely important. Now, that's really a subject for a marketing lesson or a course on, on growing your podcast into a monetizable thing. But let me ask you, do you even know who your client or customer is as a podcaster? Well, maybe, like me, <clears throat> your podcast listener is also your ideal podcast client or customer, or you're just your ideal client or customer, because you're marketing your own services, and the podcast is in service of that 
uh, effort. Or it's uh, maybe that maybe it's also folks that are going to be able to refer your business, you know, uh, refer clients to you. So in that scenario, you need a strategy for attracting those folks, the ideal clients and the ideal referral sources and getting them to take the action you need them to either make the referral or buy something from you or hire you or whatever. And that's great. Now, not easy, but it is pretty straightforward. You know what you're doing. Or maybe you're a branded podcast, so you're really dealing with a brand that has you making the show for them or to appeal to their audience. So you need a strategy and a structure for making your deal, your contract with the brand. But what if your monetization strategy is, say, affiliate income from products that you recommend to your audience? Well, you have to have a strategy for attracting a large enough audience to make money from those affiliate sales. And you have to have a solid affiliate agreement, a contract with that seller. Plus, you have to understand and comply with all of the seller's rules and regulations about what's allowed and not allowed when recommending their products. And then you also have to understand the legal rules and restrictions, the rules for how you make recommendations and endorsements and the kinds of disclosures that are required and where, when, and how they're required and so on. So, another kind of legal structure you need to think about. Now, if you're doing a show with an eye toward a sponsorship monetization strategy, well, that's yet another scenario where your audience is not your customer or client. Think about it. When you have a sponsor, what you're selling is your audience's attention to the sponsor's message. Your customer or client is the sponsor, not the listener. So you need a clear, unambiguous contract with that sponsor that explains what you're to be paid, what they get in return, and so on. Now, this also goes for when you're dealing with a network or an ad sales agency. Same thing. Your contract with them is what becomes tremendously important. Now, when I speak of having a client and customer strategy, I'm talking about being ready, willing, and able to act quickly and make the deal when the opportunities show up and knock on your door. Knowing who the customer is, what you're selling, its value, and how and when you're going to be compensated really is essential. And yes, getting those contracts in writing is essential too. But even that has some pitfalls. So let me tell you a quick story. A friend of mine who wasn't a client at the time, he was a podcaster, had things in pretty good order. Well, their company was up and running. Their team strategy is in place. Their intellectual property strategy is all handled. And it's a big show, not huge, but multiple tens of thousands of downloads per episode. And they get approached by an advertiser who wanted to sponsor the show. They talked it over. They worked out the deal and they agreed in an email. An email is fine for making agreements. Not not ideal, but it works. But this email said basically, hey, we've agreed to sponsorship fee of $1,000 per podcast for this campaign. Sponsor says, okay, gives them a credit card number. And the podcaster starts charging a thousand bucks an episode for every episode that they produce. They're hitting that card every week as they publish and they're giving the sponsor the ad reads as they planned. So this goes on for a whole year, 52 weeks, $52,000. Not bad, right? One sponsor. Now, who here would like to have a a deal like that, right? Maybe two or three? Yeah. So a few weeks into that second year, the podcaster gets this really nasty email from the sponsor. You overcharged. You owe me $51,000 back, and I'm going to get the cops involved if you don't refund my card today. Now, leaving aside the negligence of the the sponsor, not looking at their credit card statements for a whole year. Well, anyway. But the podcaster comes to me, and we look at the situation. And if you're paying attention, you might know what went wrong. It's that word, those words, per podcast. 
will pay a thousand dollars per podcast. And even in this day and age, podcasting is a, is a maturing industry now. It's not old, but it's been around a, a bit. It's a vague, ambiguous term. What's a podcast? So the parties in this deal each had a different idea about what it meant. And in contract law, if there's no meeting of the minds, then what you don't have is a binding and enforceable contract. So I see this much too often. Words like podcast or show, production, campaign, ad, spot. They can't just stand on their own. You've got to clearly define them. Language matters, and it needs to be precise, and it needs to be tailored to the specifics of what you're doing, your business. Your monetization strategy depends not just on being able to get people to agree to pay you, but you also have to actually be able to collect and keep what they pay you. So this podcaster came to me, and we kept the cops out of it, negotiated a deal, a settlement, and ultimately, <clears throat> everybody walked away just a little bit unhappy. This is the kind of risk that is inherent in things when you write your own contracts. But don't get me wrong. I'm not saying you shouldn't write your own contract. Sometimes it's the right way to do it because not every contract justifies the expense of hiring lawyers and drafting up things and so on. But if you're going to do it yourself on your deals, make sure you're drilling down and using the most precise, unambiguous language possible. And honestly, with the kinds of resources out there, like what we've got available over at Podcast Law Forms or inside our Easy Legal for Podcasters program, there's just no need to be shooting in the dark. There are really good templates that have handled most of the tricky language, so all you have to do is sort of insert the specific numbers and dates and times and that kind of thing. And when there isn't a template, knowledge is power. You can write your own contracts if you know how to anticipate and think about these kinds of concerns. That's why I do what I do here, sharing knowledge and information so you can anticipate these kinds of things. So build out your client and customer strategy before you need it. So you've got what you need at hand when those opportunities come knocking. Solid, enforceable written contracts with your clients and customers will give both you and them confidence so you can go forward with shared understanding and clear expectations about what's ahead. That is how you grow and become profitable as a podcaster. And this applies to all kinds of monetization strategies. The point is to have a plan and a strategy and to be ready to implement it as soon as that opportunity shows up. So ask yourself, how well developed is your client and customer strategy? How ready are you to make your deals, to paper them using precise and unambiguous contracts and to get paid? If you didn't say absolutely squared away and ready, then I'd say, well, that's your homework. Get ready. Or at least get a strategy plotted out in your mind so you can move quickly when the time comes. Now, if you'd like to take a little deeper dive into this four-part framework I've been talking about here, join me for my upcoming Business and Legal Fundamentals for Podcast Growth and Profit. It's a free workshop. Visit event.podcastlaw.net for more details and to register. And that's going to do it for this episode. I'm Gordon Firemark, the podcast lawyer. Please join me again next week for another episode of Legit Podcast Pro. And until then, keep on podcasting. Get your message out there and do a little bit to change the world. <laughs>